Welcome to the Kesset Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us and hope you enjoyed today's sermon. If you'd like to find out more about Kesset, you can head to kessetchurch.com or find us on Facebook. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Kesset. I'm excited that you guys are here. Uh, if you're brand new, let me welcome you again. My name's Danny, and I'm one of the pastors here. I want to welcome everybody here and everybody that's watching online. Uh, today is a fun talk. We're, we're kind of taking a moment just to reflect on an individual few verses and see how God wants to use those in our lives. I believe there's people here today, whether you're visiting or have been coming for a while, that will be impacted by what the Lord wants to share with you today. And the only thing I think that could uh, move you outside of that is if you decide to be distracted by anything other than what his presence wants to give you. Uh, this morning. So I want to start by praying, and then we're going to dive right in. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to talk about you. We thank you that we can come and, and really dive in, God, to your word, to what it is that you are wanting to reveal to us. May we have some fun today, God. May we ask some difficult questions, and may we experience your peace beyond our own understanding. Thank you for every person here, for the footsteps, the situations, the circumstances that brought them Lord, I believe that you have, uh, you have ordained all that so that they could hear from you today. And so I ask, Lord, that my words would not be a distraction, but that only you would be seen and heard. We thank you, God. We lift you up in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, we're going to be in Psalm chapter 138. I had a few people ask me why we're not doing Psalm 139 or one of the more well-rehearsed, taught psalms. And that's exactly why we're not doing it. Because I didn't want to do the stuff that you've been taught a lot or the stuff that's bumper-stickered. Not that it's not powerful. Not that it doesn't have a huge impact on so many people's lives, but many of you have some of those psalms memorized, and oftentimes when it comes to the other lesser-known psalms, we, we, we don't really spend enough time in those, and so I thought it was helpful. This one is one that impacted me, and I thought it was appropriate because it's titled in my version of the Bible as Give Thanks to the Lord, and let me read the first three verses. Ronnie taught these last week, and I'm so appreciative of her. What a great job she did. But today, I'm going to spend time in verse 4 and 5. But let's start at the top. Psalm 138, starting in verse 1, says, I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods, I sing your praise. I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. On the day I called you, you answered me. My strength of soul you increased. And then today's passage, verse 4 and 5. All the kings of the earth shall give you thanks, O Lord, for they have heard the words of your mouth. And they shall sing of the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. Now, one reason that is so powerful that really sits within this idea of taking and spending time just meditating on a few verses is that that if you're not careful, you'll just read right through that and think, well, that one was kind of boring. Let's get on to the next one or the next one or the next one. But unless you really stop and unpack some of what's going on here, then you you might miss what God has for you in all of the words within all of the chapters of his holy scripture. One of the questions that I get a lot from Christians is this, how can I know the will of God? This is a question that, I, that I've received quite a bit. And the reality is that we as Christ followers are called to discern God's will in order to make choices that lead to the abundant, fruitful life he has for us. That's why Jesus said in John 10.10, 10, I came that they may have life 
and have it abundantly. So we know that we are called to live inside the will of God because the will of God is for us to have life abundantly. And this verse, you're going to find out, speaks very specifically to the answer to that question. How can you and I know how to live inside God's will for our life, this life full of abundance? Now, as I look around and as I've experienced within my own seasons of life, oftentimes I find that I'm not living a life full of abundance. As a matter of fact, I could even say that many people that I know are not living lives full of abundance, and yet they proclaim to be Christ followers, true, uh, you know, just, just deep inside Jesus-loving people, and yet their lives don't really display any abundance at all. Perhaps this means we as people are not discerning God's will well. Perhaps we're not living where he's called us to li- live, and that's why a verse like this is so very important. And so how do we go about finding the will of God? The first thing we need to do is understand there's no secret formula. So those of you in the room who were really excited that I was going to give you a red or blue pill for you to choose and discover the will of God, that's out the window. You're not going to get that from me today. But there is a way, according to Scripture, specifically this verse, that God's will will reveal his self to you, and that is by this, by knowing God so intimately that his will for you will unfold day by day. Now that seems kind of easy. Okay, so I, for me to know the will of God, I have to know God better. If I know God better, then I'll know the will of God. So how do I know the will of God? Well, I know God better. Well, how do I know God better? By doing the will of God, studying the scripture, praying. It's a little cyclical, kind of insane, really, because the truth is I don't know how to do that. Well, I think maybe you might. Let me give you an illustration. My wife and I just came back from being away. We celebrated just last week our 20-year wedding anniversary. And so, yep. And so she deserved a trip. She deserved a trip. So, so we went over a first couple days by ourselves. Uh, and then the last few days, we flew our girls over. Uh, and, and we spent that time together uh, just, just celebrating one another. And I've, I've, I think I want to say... I think I know her pretty well. I think I know her will pretty well. I think I know who she is pretty well. Um, I, I think when I got married, I didn't. I, I, when I got married, um, I, I knew the girlfriend version of her, but I didn't know the wife version of her. Matter of fact, I don't even know if she knew the wife version of her. Uh, and, and I certainly didn't know the husband version of me. But when you first get married, you, you, you kind of just figured that the rest of your marriage is going to be a lot like the, the few years prior to your, your actual wedding. Well, that, that was not the case uh, in, any, in any way whatsoever. So the last 20 years, uh, I have been spending time getting to know my wife, what she loves, what she doesn't love, her will, right? The way she works, how she operates. Well, we go on this trip, and it's amazing. I mean, it was just so great. It was so much fun. We, we planned a few things. We left a ton of it unplanned, and we had all this great time. And we came back, and our whole church family and our extended family, everybody was so excited for us. And no drama, no problems. I mean, it was just so easy. And I come back, and I land. I think I landed Wednesday. So Thursday and Friday, um, I had some stuff to do and some work to put in. And so I think it was on Thursday Uh, I did something for a friend outside the church, a friend that's not even a believer, and I helped him out. And it meant a lot to him, and so he gave me a gift card. And I was like, bro, I I do not need in any way this gift card. And he's like, man, this was hours of your time. I just really want to do this. My girlfriend and I really want to do this. And I was like, okay, that's cool. So he gave me this Amazon gift card, and I put it in my bag, and I forgot about it, okay, that whole day. So the next night, 
Okay, my wife and I, it's Friday, it's Friday evening, so we put our girls to bed, and we're just hanging out, we're watching TV, and I suddenly realize, and I say to myself, oh, that's right, I have that gift card. And it's one of those gift cards where you can't tell what's on it, how much is on it. And so I go get it, and my wife's not even looking at me. I don't know if she just sensed the way I changed my breathing or what, but all of a sudden she goes, she just says to me, as I start typing in the little gift card numbers, she says, what's that? And I go, I didn't even look at her. I go, oh, well, I got a gift card for from what's their names because of the thing that I did. And she goes, we got a gift card? <laughs> and I paused, right? Because I was like, I know her pretty well. And I guess in hindsight, this might be the first gift card outside of, uh, you know, anything church related that I've ever got. But I was like, well, well no, I got a gift card. <laughs> and she shuts her computer and she says, are you kidding me right now? And I said, I, I, this is an actual conversation. I said, I, I, hey, listen, I just went through Dragons and Dandelions. I understand we all see things from different perspectives. <laughs> so let's, let's talk about this. And she goes, okay. And I said, so I did this thing on my own. Yeah. And I did it without you. Yep. And these people aren't even really that close to you. They're closer to me. They're people I've been doing life with for a long time, way outside the church. Like they're not even at Danny Aaron. They're just, yep, yep. And they, they gave a gift card, like it, it says my name on it right there. It says Danny, right there. And she goes, but here, here's what you need to understand. Whatever is mine is mine. And I went, yeah. And she goes, and whatever is yours is mine. That was an exact quote. And I like laughed, right? <laughs> You're so cute and beautiful and special. And she did not laugh. Like at all. And she goes, that gift card absolutely is mine and ours because, you know, that's how it works in our marriage. And I was like, I am never taking you to Hawaii again, ever. Right? That's not what I said. What I said was, oh, this is actual true. I said, okay. I gave her the gift card. You can ask her. A lot of people have asked her if this happened. I gave her the gift card. She spent uh, 50% of it, and then it was a $200 gift card, which was surprising to me. She spent 50% of it, and then she said, I'm going to let you have the other half. <laughs> and I said, now at this point, see, now, now, I, now she's demanding gratefulness from me. And I said, oh, so you're going to gift me the other half of the gift card that was already mine. Right? And that, that sort of caused a little tension, a little more discussion. And in the end, you know, she took her half and I took mine. And so I, I wanted to do what was healthy and right. I wanted to make sure this was not an issue in our marriage. So I went and told on her to her parents. <laughs> Saturday morning, we had a breakfast with them already scheduled. So I waited till we were there and I said, can I ask you guys a question and set the picture? Okay, we're sitting at the table. Aaron's father is, uh, he's a physician and he's very... Uh, He's very somber, kind of his personality is very, you know, he's just kind of stoic. It's just how he is. And Aaron's mother is, uh, is kind of boisterous and kind of, she's very fun-loving. And so I said, can I ask you guys a question? And they go, sure. And I said, so uh, yesterday I received a gift card. And her father literally goes, mmm. <laughs> and I looked at him, right? And Midge goes, continue. And I said, well, this gift card came, like, not through any church thing or, I mean, it and it, it like only had my name on it, and, and, and Aaron's mom's like, oh, just, just your name on it? And I go, yeah, yeah, and uh, it had my name on it. And when I, when I told Aaron about it, she said it was her gift card. 
And, and I'm not exaggerating. Her mother said, yeah, that's because everything that's hers is hers, and everything that's yours is hers. <laughs> and I looked over at her father, and he goes, it doesn't have to be fair, but it is right. How it See, you, you got to work to know people. You got to work to know that the, the generational sin, apparently, in, in my wife's family surrounding gift cards, because there's no way logically this makes any sense whatsoever. But it now has become like cornerstone truth in my marriage. Like it is just passed down that gift cards belong to the wife, apparently. Now, I've had a few husbands in the room jump in earlier, and they said, you know, I, I believe that... that uh, that this is not good theology, Pastor Danny. And I agree. I'm not teaching this as theology. I'm just teaching it as an illustration of what it means to really think you know somebody, know how they work, know about their ways, know how they operate. But until you begin to ask different questions or get in different circumstances with them, then suddenly the relationship takes on a different kind of color. Today, as we unpack this verse, that's what I'm hoping happens for you with God. See, some of you have been in church way too long. That's one side. Some of you don't know God at all. That's another side. And both those sides with people in the middle think they understand how God's going to respond when it comes to his will for their life. They just, they just know. Of course this is how God wants to respond. I pray and I pray and I pray. He gives a decision. Uh, or he has nothing to do with my life. He doesn't care. And the reality is he's just up there making problems for people. Okay, that's your perspective. Or people somewhere in the middle. Like, well, God blesses me when I'm obedient. When I'm disobedient, he makes problems for me. Oh, okay. Scripture is very clear. You, on the other hand, have been tweaked by your circumstances, by your parents, by your story. I have been tweaked by the way in which God or, or the people in my life have impacted me. But it is only Scripture that we can go to to really discern well what it means to discover the ways of God. I said earlier that uh, I think I know my wife. And when it comes to the Bible, here's the thing you need to realize. There are two primary knowings in every relationship with God. Two primary knowings. First knowing is knowing God's works and what he does. And the second knowing is knowing God's ways and who he is. Knowing God's works and what he does and knowing God's ways and who he is. And all of us are going to land more on one than the other based on our story, based on how we came to God, how we discovered God, or even based on if you're faithless right now and you're just kind of here because you're with a pretty girl and you're just checking out church and you're trying to figure stuff out, you have a perspective on this. I want you, as we dive into this, to bring those perspectives. I want you to bring your stuff. I want you to ask, okay, if there is a God, for those of you in the room who are faithless, and he does have a will for you, how do you think that will plays out? For those of us in the room that believe there is a God, and we know he has a will for us, how do you believe that that will plays out? This morning's passage is going to uh, really expand on both of these meanings, and I hope bless your life, I know it blessed mine. We'll look at the first one, knowing God's works or what he does. This is the first verse of the two we're reading. Psalm 138.4 says, All the kings of the earth shall give you thanks, O Lord, for you have heard the words of your mouth. All the kings of the earth will give you thanks, O Lord, for they have heard the words of your mouth. Kings in scripture often represents humanity's best efforts. It represents the utmost, the highest. 
It represents people who have moved mountains to accomplish things. It represents great discipline, great struggle, great overcoming. It represents rulers and power. And yet this verse says that the kings of the earth shall give you thanks, Lord, for they have heard the words of your mouth. One commentary said about kings in scripture, kings are as gods below. And they do well when they worship the God above. The way of conversion for kings is the same as for ourselves. Faith to them also cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Happy are those who can cause the word of the Lord to penetrate palaces, for the occupants of thrones are usually the last to know the joyful sounds of the gospel. One thing you have to recognize about trying to discover the will of God is that your first instinct, if you're someone that's A-type or someone that has had some success or someone that sees success in the world and equates doing and being and becoming and overcoming as success, is that oftentimes what God wants us to do is the opposite of what we naturally feel to do. And so what you have in this picture is this idea of kings setting down their crowns, setting down their glory, setting down their honor, and doing the opposite of what got them to be kings. It's this idea that what got you where you are without other skills won't get you where you want to go. What got you where you are now, if you're one of these people, if you're driven, okay, and I put myself in this camp, the things that got me where I am now, long hours, working hard, uh, trying to connect, trying to communicate, some of these things in my life that got me where I am without other things that I do not possess will not get me where I believe God is calling me to go. And so what's really hard about that is that these things that got me here are things that are kind of self, like I'm self-motivated. No one has to get me up to get to work on time. No one has to get me to stay late ever. It's never been a problem in my life, ever. The stuff that's been a problem in my life has been learning to be gentle, learning to wait, learning to be patient, learning to ask better questions. And yet here's what's really funny about this season at Kesed. There's no amount of hours that are going to get this building finished from Danny. Danny has to learn to be gentle. Danny has to learn to wait. Danny has to learn to ask better questions. The things that got me here without other things I don't possess cannot get me where I want to go. I believe that when it comes to the holiness of really understanding what it means to sit with God and wrestle through his works or what he does, it has to do with how willing am I to let God do what he does and set down what I think I'm supposed to do. How willing am I to stand outside of the spotlight, outside of the credit, outside of the glory? Again, kings represent the utmost. They represent the highest. This verse starts off with kings are praising God. That's a humble thing. Kings are glorifying God. That's a, that's a power-giving thing, not a power-taking thing. And yet it says that these kings are bringing forth the, the, the glories of God. They're giving thanks to God all because they have heard the words of his mouth, the wisdom of his mouth, the teachings of his mouth. He has the power. He has the control. He has the leadership. He has the overcoming. He has all that is needed. And although I may be a king in my own little kingdom... To be the one that God's called me to be, I've got to take that crown down and I've got to exchange it for the crown of thorns for Jesus Christ who came and humbled himself and showed incredible love to a world that rejected him. I have to absorb that king into my life and he has to be the thing that takes me to this place that I have never been. Those of us who live as kings below, it's hard. 
in those areas of strength to give God the credit. It's hard to be honest and authentic about our stuff. It's hard. But it is necessary. This is what makes King David such an important figure within Scripture. Psalm 47, listen to what David says. He says, sing praises to God, sing praises. Sing praises to, listen to his words, our king. Sing praises, for God is the king of all the earth. Sing praises with a psalm. God reigns over the nation. God sits on his holy throne. David is giving all the glory, all the credit, all the power away. And yet he is the greatest king the earth probably has ever known. And what he says is God sits on the throne. God reigns. These are all very kingly words. God is the one who deserves praise. God is the one who, who is worthy of our song. God is the one that brought me where I am today. This is what it takes if you want to be somebody that God is going to use. You have got to start by knowing God's works and what he does. And here's the thing. God does not share credit or glory with anybody. Ever. If you do something great in your life, something that affects people, I'm not talking something great like, like, like what we as humans think is great, but something really genuinely powerful that impacts people's lives, impacts marriages, impacts children, helps people, and it is clearly something that, that, that you know that God has given you to do, and you take all the glory for that, you have missed the entire point of why that great thing happened in the first place. God doesn't do good things for the sake of doing good things. God does good things for the sake of his glory. Because when people see him through the good things he does, they find comfort in him. They find strength in him. They find peace in him. They find wholeness in him. When they get to know him, like I said earlier, I, th I thought I knew my wife, but this is new revelations. These are new areas because we're having new discussions. When you see God doing great things and people get to know him, this is God revealing new areas and new discussions with those people. This is God healing brokenness in their life. This is God speaking to areas that, that they've never, ever exposed to anybody but him because something great happened. You stepped out of the way. God stepped in. And when they reached out to give you praise, they gave praise to God who said, I know how to handle this. You know why praise is so dangerous for us? Because we don't know how to handle it. Because praise forces us to sit back on the throne and pick up the crown. You're right. It is pretty good leadership. You're right. I did do a pretty good job. See, I am, I am as A as I know, A type as I know. And here's the beautiful thing about how God works for Danny. Danny knew deep down inside that if Danny led this church to build a building from scratch, to raise the money from scratch, no matter how well intended I want to be. I'm just, this is my confession to you of my own internal work and what I know about my own depravity. I would take some credit for it. I would take a lot of credit for it. It's how I'm built. People would go, I can't believe the church. You guys built a building? You guys did this thing? I did. I mean, we did. So here's what God does, and you know this story. We do a baptism. A gentleman in the baptism takes me in the back room. He goes, that was a really nice baptism. I said, hey, thanks. He goes, you want this building? What? Yeah, and you want this building? I, well, okay. All right. Found it. Building. Like, like, literally, there's no credit can be given to anybody but God because when people ask, well, how did you accomplish that? Well, I did a baptism service, and, uh, and then a guy asked me if I wanted the building, and I, I said yes. 
like, like, like it, it's just, it's, it's, it's so him and he deserves so much of the glory that the entire time through this building procedure, as every hurdle has come, as every problem has come, I'm not, I, I promise you, it's been one of, for me, probably because Pastor Tom carries the brunt of it, but one of the least stressful ministry things I've done because God gave me the building. So of course God's going to pay for the building. It's his building. I mean, I, it, it's all him. I don't have to lay awake at night because it wasn't my decision. I fist bumped in my way into a building. <laughs> like, it's crazy. But it becomes all about him. And so what happens? The story spreads throughout the county. Did you hear about that church that gave away a church to a church that sits inside a college that, that they saved up money and could have went out and put it down and got a building, but they waited and God showed up and they had the money in the bank to start. I mean, did you hear what God did? God did, God did. I have not sat in one single meeting, not one single conversation where people said, good job, Danny. Not one. Because, like, the average person that can just chew gum knows that fist bumping yourself into a building is not amazing leadership. Like, no one's confused about who did this and who's continuing to do it. The giving. Every time Pastor Tom talks about money, I break out in sweats. You guys know this. This is part of my stuff. But the truth of it is that God is teaching me through him and through you guys and through the way we're blessing that it's all God's money anyways. All your money's God's money anyways. You don't got no money. You just have a God who's provided for you, who wants you to be a part of this thing he's doing. You're not giving to me. No one has said, Danny, I'd like to help out with your building. The verbiage doesn't even work because people who fist bump into buildings don't own buildings. God provides buildings. God provides resources because, as I said a second ago, this is what he does. David knows this, and so he sets down his crown, and he says, I want to be a part of what God's doing. I want to be in the kingdom that God's leading. I want him to be king. I want him to be our lead pastor. I want him to be the preaching that you hear inside your hearts. I want him to bring the healing, because the truth is, I got stuff in my life that if you really knew about would distract you, because I'm just as busted as everybody else. I really thought the gift card belonged to me. I'm so broken, Lord. I really did. I really did. And it's just an incredibly beautiful thing to learn something new and to experience something new. And the reality is my wife's worth every gift card I'd ever received. Why wouldn't I have thought on the first list to go, hey, I got a gift card. I want you to have it. Why not? You know why? Because sometimes Danny's a little bit selfish. Because sometimes Danny says, well, I did this thing, so I should get the thing. I love that God works that way. I love that David understands that about him. He understands it so deeply, he wrote things like this. This is what David wrote about his God. He said, Psalm 147, that he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of the stars. He gives to all of them their names. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. The Lord lifts up the humble. He casts the wicked to the ground. Do you know what kind of journey you have to have with God to write those things about him? Do you know what kind of place you have to put yourself in to be a king of a nation and write those things about him? You have to be willing to say, I want to be a part of what God is doing. I want to go where he goes. I want to experience him. But it takes setting aside your version of you and exchanging it for his version of you. Because the truth is, truly, everything you have belongs to God. Just like every gift card I'm ever going to get in the future belongs to my wife. 
knowing God's ways, who he is. This is the second verse, Psalm 138.5. And they shall sing of the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. Now, some of us only know God's works. We actually lean into the stuff I just talked about. You figured that out a long time ago, that if you get out of the way, if you decentralize and let God reign, then he will do great things in your life and he will, great things will happen. Accomplishments will, will happen all around you. The problem is, is that if you only know his ways and that's it, you'll never really know him at all. You'll be somebody who basically serves God based on the performance that he gives before you. There's a story of Jesus when he feeds 5,000 people. It says after he feeds 5,000 hungry people that he uh, leaves during the middle of the night and he goes out uh, onto the water. And I believe in this story is when Peter follows them out on the water and then Peter sees Jesus walking on the water and it's all this beautiful miracle, all these wonderful things happening. Well, the people who were fed wake up and there's no Jesus. And so they go on this search. They start looking for Jesus, looking for Jesus. And then it says in John 6, 25, 20, 25 through 29, they found him. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, listen to this question, Rabbi, when did you come here? Now, this is an interesting question because from a face value perspective, it's a genuine question. We experienced you. We want to be more near you. When did you get here? Where did you go? Now, Jesus knows their hearts. And this is where it gets kind of intense for a few of you in the room because Jesus knows your hearts as well. And although you may come and worship and you may come and sing and you may show up and you may even give, you may even serve. The reality is if you're not asking the right question for the right purpose, then Jesus is going to call you out like he's about to call out these people. See, some of you, you follow God because of what God can do for you, because of how he acts, because of how he provides And so what that teaches then is that if you can show up more often in church or study more or pray more or or put in more effort, that you will get a better response from God. If you become more this, God will give you more. If you become more this, God will give you more. And so God becomes kind of like your big spiritual genie in a lamp. And oftentimes people who are most disappointed with God or disappointed with me, are people who have served God in the past or church in the past because of what they got out of it. Ooh. I know, I know. It's, it's hurtful. But it's true. They got prestige out of it. They got a, I'm in, I'm on the in club out of it. They got to see people's lives change. This speaks to that earlier fact. And a little bit they thought, I did that. And so suddenly when God isn't performing for them, he's not showing up for them. He's suddenly not executing every single corner in their uh, acrobatic dance that is their spiritual life. Then they start to feel distance from God, let down from God, let down from their pastors, let down from their people. They start to feel like they can't really be who they're supposed to be. And so suddenly the church is letting them down and God's letting them down. When in reality, their hookup was broken from the very beginning. God calls this out, and he does it through, put the question back up, he does it through that simple question. When did you come here, they say. Basically, where are you? Just open-ended question. And so he calls them right out. Look at this next verse. Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, not because you think I'm God, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. He says, you're hungry. Next verse. Do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you, for on him God the Father has set his seal. 
Then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. Jesus is saying to them, you want bread for the body, but what you need is nourishment for the soul. He is saying, in essence, you want what I provide, but not who I am. You don't have connection and healing in your life because you don't believe that God wants you to have connection and healing in your life. You believe that you have to perform to earn it. You have to change to, to acquire it. You have to transfigure your world into something else, and then God will show up. When God says, again, that's you doing. God says, I'm the doer. You're just the receiver. All I need you to do is believe all I need you to do is believe that what I say I can do, I can do. That you believe in him whom he has sent. That's what God is offering you. That's why Jesus came. That's what the whole book is about, is proof to people and words to people to show that God wants to be more than just a God who, uh, who works. That he wants you to know exactly who he is, through the ways that he operates, through the ways that he serves, through the ways that he's restored. Think about Job. Job lost everything. Any, any concept that God was going to bless Job because his life was good was thrown out the window with Job, who didn't sin, right, enough to bring on the circumstances of his life, found himself covered in boil with all his children dead, completely distraught. Even his friends and wife were like, bro, what did you do? You ever had those conversations with people? Like, what did you do? This is really messed up. God is obviously cursing you. And Job's like, no. See, God didn't bless me beforehand because of what I did, so God's not going to curse me now because of what I did. And so Job, from this quiet, broken place, I like to imagine him laying on a floor completely covered in those painful boils. No one around, just laying on the floor with the candle, just writing in the dust these words. I love this verse. He says this about his God and the ways that he operates. How you have helped him who has no power. How you have saved the arm that has no strength. How you have counseled him who has no wisdom. And plentifully declared sound knowledge. Behold, these are but the outskirts, look at the words, of his ways. And how small a whisper do we hear of him, but the thunder of his power, who can understand? Job says, I don't know why I'm going through this. I don't know why I'm hurting like this. I don't know why I'm confused, but I know that I didn't earn a spot with God. I know that his ways are all about finding people like me who believe that he can support me in the midst of my weakness. I have no idea who in this room is dealing with what weakness right now, but I know that God is waiting for you to believe that he can work with your weakness. He can bring healing to your life, that you don't have to be bitter anymore, you don't have to be angry anymore, you don't have to be hurt anymore, that he can meet your needs completely. And it has nothing to do with your performance. It has nothing to do with God's works. That's just what he does. It has to do with understanding God's ways and who he is. It is unbelievably life-changing when you can put your hands around that and when you can accept that who God is is a God that meets you right where you are and all you have to do is believe. Like Job, and unlike the bread-seeking shore people, we must choose to be those who proclaim, I don't want provision and protection without your presence, Lord. 
I'm not going to settle for any blessing without the blesser in my life. I don't want the land without the Lord. This is where Job found his comfort in the ways of God. And so he, like King David, found comfort living out the will of God in their life. They found connection and they were blessed because of it. And I found this quote recently and I love it. And I do believe this is true, that God doesn't have favorites, but he sure does seem to have intimates. And if you're not intimate with him, then you don't know what you don't know. And you're picking up crowns and you're performing and you're juggling in your spiritual life and you're confused why God's not showing up. And you're watching other people drop all kinds of decisions around them and God's blessing them because they're putting their hands up saying, God, I have nothing more than you. They're fist bumping their ways into buildings and blessing and all kinds of beautiful things. And you're like, this is crazy. I, you know how hard I worked for that? I went to school for this. I saved. And you watch somebody else just looking and going. Because the difference is I know what some of you also know, that God wants to make himself known through your beauty and your brokenness. And he wants to be intimate with you. I believe these people are the ones that have a relationship with God built both around knowing his works and what he does and knowing his ways and who he is. I'll put this on the screen. It's within these very works and ways of the Lord that we find our instructions from God about how to live in harmony with him and one another. I talk a lot about harmony with you guys, and it's just becoming part of who I am and so becoming part of what I teach. And... uh, I recently was thinking about an illustration I did a long time ago that I want to share with you again. And so I'm going to have our worship leader, one of our worship leaders, Chris, come out. And uh, I asked him to learn a song. And uh, he heard we were going to do this just recently. And at first, he wasn't very happy about it, but he's not in charge. So that didn't really change anything. <laughs> and he's, he's going to play a song for you, right? And, and in his song, uh, it's, it sounds beautiful. And he's doing a really good job. Some of you, you're doing a really good job balancing out the acts of God and the ways of God and, and you know, doing the best you can to, to, to be obedient and perform, but also trust and believe that he can accomplish his will. But every once in a while, if you're anything like me, inside your marriage or somewhere inside your story, you start to take just a tiny bit of credit. Just a tiny bit of credit for the thing that, that only God can do. And so you say things to the people in your life or to scripture or to sermons like this. You say things like, you don't need to teach me anymore. And although the song still sounds pretty good, and you get away with it and people don't really notice, you start to say, I don't, I don't have to be submissive to your will. worship Chris just worship because that's what people do when they come to church with secrets in their lives and things no one knows about they just worship to this sound oh praise you Jesus play it Chris use all your skills use all your knowledge right all your insights use everything you've been taught in this world let's just enjoy the music of this young man's life so good Chris so good Some of you, many of you, this is what you sound like every day. And you try hard, and you close your eyes and you perform, but if you were really honest, you'd know that you're not in harmony with how God has built you. You're too focused on his acts, you're 
too focused on his ways and you're not just resting in his presence. And what you need to do is ask God for help. So I'll bring out Dave. As quick as possible, Dave, because this is brutal on all of us. <laughs> Chris, just worship. Just worship, Chris. But Dave comes out, right? And Dave, because he has a free hand, not because he's any more musical or less, because he has a free hand, can begin to tune some of the stuff inside Chris's life. This is what mentors do. This is what the Bible does. This is what learning does. This is what asking better questions does. It slowly but surely begins to make the song of someone's life start sounding different than it did before. This is what God's been offering you this whole time. But it takes you starting with realizing that you're not going to work your way there. You're not going to trust your way there going to ask God to show you both inside your story. Amen. Let's have everyone close their eyes. Let's just take a minute and focus upon those ways of God. Lord, in this room right now, there are people who've lived so out of tune for so long, they've been convinced now that it's normal. They're caught up in habits addictions and secrets and patterns and rhythms, Lord, that they just feel are normal. God, may you today, through your love, convict them. May you bring to them, God, a new song. May you bring to them, God, a new sound. May you make yourself known to them. May you ask them, Lord, for their burdens for their secrets, for their trauma. And may you meet them, God. Bring healing to them now as we proclaim this last song to you.